This Janet Mefford Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible and a matching grant will double your gift. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God what makes? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Thank you so much for joining us again. President Biden says he wants a clean energy revolution, proposing what could amount to more than $3 trillion in federal spending on things like infrastructure and clean energy initiatives and climate regulations, of course. Now, Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton recently expressed his doubt on the likelihood of this receiving approval in Congress. But what will that even matter? Because according to The Wall Street Journal, there are plans afoot to skirt Congress so progressives and climate radicals can get their Green New Deal wish list accomplished through administrative agencies. Of course, the key question is, what is on the horizon for all of us if these radicals prevail? We're going to talk about it today with climate expert Mark Morano. He is the publisher of ClimateDepot.com, as well as an award-winning producer, writer, and host of the Climate Hustle films. And he is out with a great new book as well. It's called Green Fraud, Why the Green New Deal is Even Worse Than You Think. Mark, great to have you with us. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Happy to be here today. Thank you. Well, now that Biden is president, we're back on the Red New Deal track, I guess, green, red. What's the difference? (laughs) You know, what do you make of what he's done so far? Because he was talking in the debates when Trump confronted him about this, that he was not on track with the Green New Deal. But then he gets into office and immediately he starts issuing these executive orders. Uh, What's going on here just at the beginning of this presidency? Well, here's an interesting thing. If you look at Joe Biden's career, he was never a big climate activist. He was never a climate radical. He he was one of your typical Democratic politicians who paid lip service and then pretty much did whatever he wanted. He, you know, on the campaign, he led the way and, you know, private jet travel. He didn't seem to have any concern about climate. However, in order to get the Democratic Party base, he had to appease them. And so, and even with his transition, he, he allowed people like Bernie Sanders, AOC, the Sunrise Climate Youth Movement, all of them to have incredible power writing his platform. So it seems as now that he's president, he's just sort of ceded the whole climate agenda to the party progressive radical base. And he's not really involved, yeah. you know, personally. It's not like he's preventing it or trying to be reasonable. It's, it's going full steam ahead. What they're doing is they are readying the Green New Deal to be introduced to legislation. But in the meantime, Biden's come in. First orders were executive orders. He killed American jobs. American energy went after the pipeline. Uh, fracking, death of a thousand cuts under the Biden administration, going after drilling, any use of federal lands for energy extraction. And then he followed that up with every agency is a climate agency. So you have Department of Defense worrying about it. You have Interior. You have State Department. And then he's going after it financially as well. There are going to be federal financial rules now where companies, if you invest in oil and gas, you're going to, you're, you're going to have um, penalties and they're going to be trying to persuade companies uh, to only do not, to not invest in energy projects. So that whole thing's going on. Then you have the infrastructure bill, which, of course, he's redefining the word infrastructure to include, you know, identity politics and a whole host of other non-traditionally infrastructure related things. This is just to get started, but it's a stealth uh, implementation of the Green New Deal. Well, right. And and just hiking taxes like crazy, too. Some of the the corporate tax would go way up. I mean, that's killing jobs right there. Yeah, I mean, he's doing it. I mean, 
there's there's even a theory of now if you look at what he's claiming is build back better well build back better pre you know actually relies on covid lockdowns just collapsing our economy yep. and one of the things on the progressive wish list if you go back to 1972 george mcgovern running for president you know wanted a guaranteed annual income for everyone he ended up losing you know 49 states in a landslide to richard nixon but fast forward COVID lockdowns have so hammered American, especially small businesses, mom and pop restaurants. Well, the corporate class has gotten unbelievably wealthy. The Walmarts, the Amazons, the Facebooks, the big companies, biggest transfer of wealth from poor and middle class to the wealthy under lockdowns. Well, what does it all mean? They like this build back better means endless government COVID stimulus relief checks, which essentially AOC and others now, as architects of the Green New Deal, want to make permanent. They want them to be monthly government checks, which is exactly what progressives have wanted. You collapse private sector, and then you get everyone dependent on the government, and then we're all sheep listening to their every command, and they're getting votes from everyone because they're depending on their livelihood from it. We're in a bad place. Well, we are. So central planning is the real goal. That's where they're headed, right? Yes, and that's always been the stated goal. Even the United Nations, you know, we will seek to redistribute the world's wealth by climate policy. Uh, and then you have uh, Christina Figueres, the UN climate chief. We, we seek a centralized transformation that makes life on planet Earth very different. And then you have the architects of the Green New Deal. And I detail this in the book. They say it's not a climate thing. It's actually a change the whole economy thing. Yeah. And then you have other activists saying, you know, capitalism and, free, and, and climate can't coexist. Capitalism is not compatible with a livable climate. So this is all what they want. And people say, oh, well, what about the gas prices? You know, Biden's going to do something about that. Why? This is what their goal. Obama's old energy secretary, Chu, said he wanted European-style gas prices. Well, guess what? We're not even halfway there. Uh, you know, this is where they want. They want energy expensive. They want um, you know, not us not driving. They want us not flying. They want us, you know, huddled in our homes with electricity only when it's available and rolling blackouts. That's their vision because that's an earth friendly vision. They've talked for decades about planned recessions and degrowth movement. And what a better way to achieve it than through endless lockdowns, COVID lockdowns, morphing to climate lockdowns, and also just making the cost of energy so much that it depresses the economy. Well, right. So would you look upon the coronavirus response? Obviously, the coronavirus is real and has been devastating for many, many people. But would you look at the response as something of a planned response with that end goal in mind, at least among some of these elites? Well, yeah, we have to be careful because I'm not arguing that the coronavirus was a pandemic and they put it here in order to achieve it. No, right. But it's a moment of opportunity. Now, it's like a school shooting or a mass shooting. What's the first thing you hear before we even know a single thing? We need more gun control. The gun control <laughs> lobby moves in and lobby. So what happened with COVID is you had a viral threat and immediately the progressives took over. And by the way, they were perfectly positioned because public health separate from the climate academic world has been completely captured by progressive left. I mean, there are serious, they were just in waiting with their plan and their plan was to shut down all of society and put themselves in charge. And that's why you had this absurd spectacle of governors declaring emergencies and then public health directors you'd never even knew existed, knew their name, (laughs) suddenly were telling you when you could leave your house, how many people could be at a barbecue, what your curfew was at night, uh, whether you had been forced to have a vaccine or not have it. There'd be no exemptions, as I'm in the case of Virginia, where I live, our health director. I still don't know his name, but I know he's a nut. (laughs) So my point is, 
<laughs> this is what happened. It's an opportunity. Don't let a crisis go to waste. And then, of course, the most shocking aspect is all the climate activists praised the COVID lockdowns as a model and as great for the environment. And they were jealous. We had <sighs> we had everyone from Greta Thunberg, John Kerry, Al Gore, UN officials all praising the lockdowns in one form or another and saying, if we can do this for the for a virus, we can do it for the climate. But John Kerry flies without a mask. I just had to throw that in there. And in private jet. What was most yeah. remarkable about him flying without a mask is he was on a commercial first-class flight, a rarity for him, because normally is. in private jet. Yeah, doing tours of what was it, Antarctica, just for fun. He went, yeah, he did. Well, he went to Iceland to get an environmental award. So what, what better way to fly a private than to fly a private jet? Leonardo DiCaprio actually said, I'll fly around the world fighting global warming with no law, no sense of irony when he said it. Good grief. These people are crazy. So are you looking then when you when you're analyzing the Green New Deal that climate lockdowns are in our future if they get their way? Yes. In fact, I have two chapters in the book that deal with this climate lockdowns. A couple things. This year, Chuck Schumer has urged President Biden to declare a national climate emergency, much like the model of the COVID health emergency that we had in 2020. So once they have an emergency, that's going to suspend certain elements of democracy and give the executive much more power, federal power. We're already seeing Biden's COVID restrictions, by the way. Even here where I live in Virginia, there's restaurants that have been defying the COVID lockdowns and all that, you know, the 25, it's just the most absurd thing. You can't have indoor dining. Okay, let's put a tent outside and we'll pack everyone in the tent. <laughs> What's the difference? I mean, why can't they be inside as opposed to being outside in a tent in a closed environment? Anyway, so what happened was he empowered OSHA now, a federal agency, occupational safety work, whatever, whatever, OSHA, I can't remember, <laughs> agency to go and now at the state and local level and start enforcing and trying to remove licenses of restaurants not following local health guidelines. So uh, he's federalizing the COVID lockdown. This is crazy. Hang on. We're going to pick this up on the other side of the break. Mark Morano, his book is called Green Fraud. And we'll come right back. Stay with us. This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International, engaging the world with God's Word for more than 80 years. Believers in Africa are hungry to read their very own Bibles. Hear from Pastor Jeremiah in Zimbabwe. The church is growing very fast in the northern part of the country where Tsonga-speaking people and Zulu-speaking people. And, uh, you know, we find that there's a movement of the Holy Spirit there where the hunger or spiritual hunger is very much visible. If you can imagine 10 Christians right now in many places in Africa, on average, nine have no access to the Bible. Here's Lillian in Mozambique. We went to this church just on the outskirts of Maputo. Uh, the church had about um, about 100 people, and the, the only person actually who had a Bible was the pastor. But everybody else had never seen a Bible. And that gives us motivation to want to go more, to do more, to reach to as many people as we can, you know, where God gives us opportunity to go there and just take the Word of God. Through Bible studies and resources that introduce people to Jesus Christ, Bible League is faithfully discipling new believers in Kenya, Ghana, Ethiopia, and many other African countries. Here's an evangelist named Joseph in South Africa. We were in a place called Mpumalanga, 
the lady there is about 60, 62 years or so. She literally cried. She knelt down and she cried. She never, at the age of 60, she never had a Bible. It is so much fulfilling just to see people like her rejoicing um, when they receive their Bibles. You can be the answer to a Christian praying for God's word through Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa. $5 sends one Bible, $50 sends 10, and a matching grant will double your gift and help us reach our goal to send 1,500 Bibles. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Well, I am really grateful for the work that Mark Morano does. He's the publisher of ClimateDepot.com and host of the Climate Hustle films, as well as the award-winning producer and writer of those great films, and is out with a terrific book, Green Fraud, Why the Green New Deal is Even Worse Than You Think. Mark, you were saying before we went to the break that the COVID opportunity that was snatched by these leftists is, hey, well, these lockdowns during COVID-19 are a great idea. We can have these climate lockdowns. And you mentioned that OSHA is now going forward and, and looking to remove licenses from restaurants that violate COVID lockdowns. I mean, how would they implement this climate lockdown? And what would be the excuse for saying due to a climate emergency, you can't leave your house or you can't open your business? What would be their excuse for keeping us locked down in a climate emergency? Great question. All right, here's how a climate emergency would work. Well, first of all, the UK House of Lords Speaker actually came out and said, he was amazed at how compliant the public had been under the COVID lockdowns and, and restrictions. And now was the time to strike with a, a version of the climate lockdowns. Now, if you look at it, climate lockdowns, we know that uh, that they before we even had COVID, they, they were looking at flight shaming and trying to get people to stop flying. They wanted heavy airline taxes. They wanted airline industry was a major target of climate activists. What happens with COVID? Airlines are virtually shut down, collapsed, except for the private jets, obviously, of the of the of the lead climate activists. So what's happened is. One of the proposals is a, a man named Eric Holdice, climate activist, says in a declared climate emergency, which they're trying to get Biden to do, flying in an airplane would only be acceptable, would only be allowed to happen when it's, quote, morally justifiable, unquote. Ugh. In other words, much like a curfew where you have to justify to the government that you're leaving your house only for essential services, I'm going food or medicine, or you're not allowed out of your house, you've got to justify to the government you're going on a vacation? Well, if it's not a funeral, I'm sorry, you've already taken your quota for the year. They're talking about CO2 budgets for every man, woman, and child on the planet. This has been proposed multiple times where government would monitor your your essentially your emissions and energy use and if you go over it you get essentially locked down your uh, thermostat could be controlled you're, you're in California they've talked about this and tried it where your, your, your limits if you're running your air conditioner too high so it's a form of when I say locked down, it's like a restriction the other thing that's most shocking Australian National Academy academics Australian National University academics are proposing adding climate change to our death certificates. And this will be a way that you'll eventually have CNN with a climate death toll ticker, just like they had with COVID. (laughs) Bill Gates has already said climate change death toll is going to be dwarf anything from COVID-19. It's going to be massive compared to any virus. And so if you look at this, 
you know, they're saying the Department of Transportation under President Obama did a study. Fatal car accidents are being caused more by global warming. The American Cancer Society said cancer's up due to global warming. Al Gore has said every organ in your body is affected by global warming. So if you die of cancer, organ failure, or in a car crash, you could have climate change put as a cause of death on your death certificate. So this is how this is one way they're going to fuel the fear. But ultimately, a climate lockdown is going to be energy restrictions. It's going to be diet restrictions. In a declared climate emergency, you can't be eating that much meat. The government's going to make meat very expensive. This is the goal of the climate activists, and they're going to be pushing this processed vegetable oil, fake meat. They even have a 3D printer. You can print X amount of pounds per hour of this yeah. fake meat. And, and mm. then they're pushing insect eating. The World Health Organization, uh. the, I'm sorry, the United Nations and the the, uh, uh, the World Economic Forum and climate activists, Hollywood celebrities. So on every aspect of your life, what I mean by climate lockdown is every aspect of your life is going to be regulated, managed in an unprecedented way, modeled after a climate, the COVID lockdowns. I'm not eating insects. I'm just putting it out there right now. <laughs> I, that's gross. I, you know, there's nuts. These people should be in a loony bin. Half these people, probably most of them, uh, if not all of them, needed need to be in a loony bin somewhere because this is this is out of control. And and this is all predicated on this false premise, Mark, as you've pointed out time and time again, that there is such a thing as a man-made climate emergency. Can you debunk that for people so they just understand why this whole thing is ridiculous in the first place. Yes. And in my book, Green Fraud, uh, I devote a whole chapter to the science. And by the way, Amazon is being pressured to pull by climate activists to pull my book off of Amazon because Amazon is supposed to be a global warming champion and they can't believe that they're allowing climate denier books. So oh, this is actually something and Mark Stein has gotten involved. So Good. Uh, it's, a, it's fascinating. But I have a whole chapter that just deals with the science. And I go through and I show you that carbon dioxide is not the control knob, but the geologic history of the earth. We've had CO2 many times higher and had ice ages. We're currently in the 10% coldest period of Earth's history where we had, we, you know, it's only been 90% of Earth's history has been too warm to have ice at either pole. I go through sea level. I talk about how polar bears are disappearing, but only from Al Gore's books and movies because they're at or near historic population highs and Al Gore stopped talking about them for some reason. But also extreme weather, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, droughts, wildfires, etc. I show that even according to the United Nations reports buried in the reports, there's no trend or declining trends on all these extreme weather measures. So there is not only no climate emergency, we're, it's hard to find the evidence that human, of the human contribution to the climate that's different from natural climate variability. In other words, you can't distinguish where you know, anything unprecedented is happening, and that includes temperature. Uh, it's amazing. And, I, and I, I cite former United Nations scientists in my book as well who turned against the organization. That's crazy. Well, I know you've talked at that congressional hearing before about the U.N. political process and how that creates this so-called yes. scientific basis of a climate emergency. What goes on behind the scenes uh, among the U.N. elite to kind of make this all pushed out on the public? Well, you know, it, I actually, and there's passages in, I, in my first book, too, Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change, which was more on the U.N. than this green fraud book. But there were scientists, they handpicked scientists around, and the scientist ends up actually trying to do real science and deviates from the U.N. narrative. The scientist is booted out. Journal editors are threatened if they publish anything that counters the United Nations scientific you know, narrative on climate. They go to conferences and they say, like, solar scientists aren't buying this. We have to marginalize them. They, they, they try to block Freedom of Information Act requests. So it's a campaign cause done by the United Nations. But we have scientists in there 
and, and I have UN scientists admitting this, that they sit around a table and say, how can we make the next UN climate report so alarming the world will have to act? And then I actually have the quotes from each UN climate chief. The, world, the report will be so alarming that there'll be no choice but to act. They actually telegraph science. So this is where what happens is science gets co-opted by politics and you end up science becomes in service to the, to the politics and that's what we're finding here with covid you know if, and if that's another example where climate and covid are, are are inextricably linked we have epidemiologists from stanford uninvited from scientific conferences not allowed to present papers because they don't support lockdowns right. we have doctors being decertified because they don't have the you know, the covid practices one doctor said he didn't make his staff wear masks or the uh, people who visited in california he got the local medical board shut him down after he said that in an interview. I mean, this is what we're facing. It's got to be conformity, no dissent. And this is the problem when big government, big academia and ideology all mix and they try to impose what they want. Science becomes secondary. Science is only relevant to the extent that it supports policies already decided by the politics and politicians. Well, that's so important. I I have a question. When I'm looking at these numbers, you were talking about the fact that these leftists would really like to implement this permanent policy of, you know, doling out these checks to people to keep them dependent on government. We are approaching $30 trillion as a national debt projected by the end of 2021. What if our economy were to collapse? Because at some point, you can't keep just spending money that you don't have, that you have to pay the piper at some point. Would that create a better opportunity for the Green New Dealers to do what they want to do? Or do you think that that would somehow undo what they want to try to do? No, I think you know, collapse, chaos, hyperinflation, all of that is probably in there. Anytime you have chaos, for instance, you're going to get progressives swooping in. They love the idea. This is what happens with disasters, everything. If you look at the history of our budget, I mean, we had a huge, obviously, you know, spending and debt ratio after World War II. We grew out of it into the 1950s. 1960s were booming. And then the 1970s hit with inflation and everything. But then the Reagan era came and Reagan did a great job with the economy. However, he never was able to rein in the spending from the, you know, and, and that was one of the problems. So we started with deficits then. But from the 90s, what was interesting is Bill Clinton and the Republican Congress were the best combination. We actually had budget surplus, 75 cent a gallon gas by the late 90s. That's what you want from government. You want government focused on, you know, Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. And that way, you know, you figured, you know, and the hyper partisanship is great for liberty. So we actually had low debt. And then comes 9-11. That's when the debt bomb started. And then comes the Obama administration. That's when they did their, their first multiple stimuluses and got us heavily into debt. And then, frankly, Donald Trump was never a big, you know, spending cutter. He, he allowed spending to go off. But Biden at this point is on a whole new level. So that legacy, and it's really since 9-11 that the debt bomb has exploded, but it's now at levels we never even contemplated and going to get worse. But ultimately, I believe that that's part of a progressive game book, because the more societal collapse and people can't afford stuff, guess what? They need more government assistance, which means progressive politicians are going to be in for life. They're going to be people relying on them for every kind of assistance as hyperinflation, energy costs, unemployment, um, and, you know, just every aspect you can imagine. And this is where we come into my book. I get into the Great Reset, yep. which basically yep. says, you know, from the World Economic Forum, you will own nothing and you'll be happy. <sighs> uh, and 
And that's their motto. And that's what they're, they're proposing here. And it's a, a very scary thing because in order to achieve that, they need to collapse the current system. And we couldn't have been on a better path to collapse the current system than the COVID lockdowns. It's really scary. And it makes you wonder about Biden's uh, supposed maybe Freudian slip at his press conference about, I don't know, in 2024, if there will even be a Republican Party. Uh, that That's one yeah. we can debate whether or not that <laughs> well, was... it won't be a relevant party. I yeah. mean, we won't, we won't be able to, even if they get the most votes, they probably won't get elected. And they're so pathetic right now from, you know, uh, Mitch McConnell and Liz Cheney. And I mean, it's just a mess. I don't even pay attention to what's going on in Capitol Hill. I mean, it's almost a write-off at this point. So you got to almost start start over. (laughs) No, I'm with you. Well, great book, Green Fraud, Mark Morano. So good to talk to you, Mark. And thank you for all the great work you do. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. You you take care. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. This Janet Mefford Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible and a matching grant will double your gift. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. All right, all right, all right. From our mailbag, we get so many emails from you guys, which we love. We love hearing from you. But we have gotten so many emails recently asking me to talk more extensively about the vaccines. And part of the reason for this, the COVID-19 vaccines, I mean, I'm not talking about measles and polio. I'm talking about COVID-19, of course. It probably goes without saying, but I'll say it anyhow. COVID-19 vaccines obviously are all the rage and it's been in the news now for you know several weeks and more and more people are getting the COVID-19 vaccine. There are several to choose from now. You have the Pfizer, the Moderna, you have the Johnson & Johnson. So now there is all this creepy talk about vaccine passports. New York has already put one into place, as we discussed on yesterday's show. And what's interesting to me is the concerns from so many Christians we're hearing from about we don't want to take the vaccine and we want to know what the deal is with all of this. We don't really believe that we can trust what's going on. And you know what? I completely understand. Here is my take on the vaccine issue. And I'm going to get into this in a little bit more detail. I've said this before, but it bears repeating. I think that we are all reasonably intelligent adults and we live in the United States of America. And I think people should be able to make decisions for their own lives. I believe in a little thing called freedom. I really do. I don't know as much about these vaccines as an epidemiologist might or a virologist might. Clearly, I'm not a medicinal person. I'm not in a field of medicine and I'm not a scientist. I know these mRNA vaccines are a different ball of wax than some other vaccines that are on the market. But I think that freedom is an important thing. And I think freedom of conscience is an important thing. I support the fact that we have laws on the books that do not mandate vaccines. Here in the state of Texas, for example, you have the ability to get an affidavit, for example, for your children if you opt out of certain vaccines and you will get an exemption. And so I think that kind of thing is good for human flourishing, as TGC likes to say. I do. I really believe in freedom. For that reason, I would never have a problem with anybody, any Christian saying, I want to get the vaccine. 
I have no problem with that. If you want to get the vaccine, if you are somebody who's vulnerable, if you're somebody who's elderly, we've talked about this a million times, go get the vaccine. What I don't want is any government mandates telling me or you, you have to get the vaccine for a virus with an astronomically high recovery rate because government says so. And we will curtail your freedoms if you don't go along with it. I have a major problem with that. I have other problems with it as well. But you know what I really have a problem with? I really have a problem with all these people who are getting involved on the church level and trying to strong arm Christians into making a decision to get the vaccine, because I don't think that's really the forum where that needs to be implemented. I really don't think that's the right forum. We are about worshiping and serving the Lord, hearing the word preached, hearing the gospel preached, getting built up in the word, hearing the whole counsel of God, praying together and and worshiping the Lord and growing in Christ. That's what the church is about. I'm not saying there's no time to discuss certain issues, but I'm getting a little bit more and more uncomfortable every single day with these evangelical leaders weighing in on this and trying to, you know, really press people to get the vaccine. I I don't know why that's going on. I'll give you a recent example of this. There are a couple actually, and I should have gotten to this earlier, but I'm getting to it now. So there you have it. There have been a couple of people in recent days who have been in the news about this. One was Dr. Robert Jeffers, who's pastor of First Baptist Dallas. And of course, Dr. Jeffers has been on my show a number of times. He's a very nice guy. I have nothing against Dr. Jeffers. And then the other one is Franklin Graham from Samaritan's Purse again. Very nice man, highly respected evangelist, son of Billy Graham, does a lot of great work. And we love Franklin Graham as well. Both of them have recently come out and talked about this issue of the vaccine. Now, I want you to listen in particular to what Dr. Jeffers recently said. This was a little while ago on Fox News when he was asked about this poll showing 45 percent of white evangelicals. I don't know why we always have to put the the race of the evangelicals in these polls. It bugs me, but I'll leave that aside. Forty five percent of white evangelicals say they won't get the covid vaccine and 33 percent of black Protestants, 22 percent of Catholics and 10 percent of atheists say they probably or definitely won't get the covid-19 vaccine. So Dr. Jeffress was asked to weigh in, and he gave a couple of reasons why he thought, in particular, white evangelicals distrust the vaccine. This is cut three. I think, first of all, there is a false dichotomy they've created between faith and science. The truth is there is no conflict between true faith and true science. God uses science to bring about his purpose. You've written about how a therapeutic helped you tremendously. That was a gift from God. But I think also part of this, David, is we've politicized this vaccination issue and uh, we think it's a Biden initiative. Look, I give Joe Biden credit for the distribution of this vaccine. But the truth is, there would be no vaccine to distribute if it were not for the foresight of Donald Trump and Operation Warp Speed. Let's quit looking at this as a Democrat-Republican issue. This is an American initiative we need to get behind so that we can get back to normal, including in our churches. Okay, a couple of remarks here I'd like to make in response to what Dr. Jeffress said. I, I don't understand either of his two points because... 
at least anecdotally, the Christians I talk to who have concerns about the COVID-19 vaccine are not concerned about either of the things he mentioned. They're not concerned that it's a Biden initiative. I think everybody I talk to knows Trump started Operation Warp Speed. And the issue of there's no conflict between true faith and true science. I don't know any Christian who thinks that. Again, we're going back to some of the reasons that Christians have problems with this. They're worried about the creepy 1984 vibe in some cases. You have people who are against vaccines in general, uh, maybe for spiritual reasons. But a lot of times they just like Robert Kennedy Jr. And they believe a lot of the stuff that's been put out by the crowd that is warning of vaccines. And let's be honest, this is why we have a program that compensates people who are injured by vaccines. Vaccines are not 100% fail safe. They never have been. So we already know that. The fact that the vaccine is new concerns a lot of people. I would be one of them. The fact that it's new, I don't want to be a guinea pig for it. Some people might be willing to take that chance, but if I'm not willing to take that chance, it's no skin off your nose. Wait, who cares? If it's from, it's my body, my choice, right? Whatever happened to that? Then you have the issue of the recovery rate. You have the concerns about the mRNA. And then, of course, you have the concerns about what's going on with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and the aborted fetal cell lines. Uh, This is not a small issue. And this was something else that Dr. Jeffress commented on. Listen to cut four. Well, look, first of all, we would never abort babies to provide a vaccine. I think Francis Collins has denied uh, that uh, linkage, and he is a strong Christian himself. But David, if we're talking about something from babies that were already aborted, I would just remind people the whole Christian message is that Christ, who was innocent, died for us and brought something good out of that unjust death. And I think if lives can be saved, even from the unrighteous killing of a baby, uh, that there's something to be gained there. So I would not refuse the vaccine on that uh, point alone. Oh, boy. Um, Well, I'm going to Healthline here and no fetal tissue wasn't used to create the J&J COVID-19 vaccine is the headline. But going into the the issue here, uh, you have leaders in the Roman Catholic Church releasing a statement earlier this month saying it's morally acceptable to receive the vaccine. The statement further suggested if one has the ability to choose, it's preferable to take the one with the least connection to these cell lines, these abortion-derived fetal cell lines and the development and manufacturing of COVID-19 vaccines. This means Pfizer and Moderna are preferable to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. But then they say, according to a member of the American College of Allergy, Asthma and Immunology Task Force on vaccines, these cell lines were taken from elective abortions in the 70s and 80s. And the individual cells from the 70s and 80s have since been grown in the lab for 30 to 40 years. And this person says current fetal cell lines are generations removed from the original fetal tissue and they do not contain any tissue uh, tissue from a fetus. Okay, still, I no, 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 no. And I don't think you can spiritually justify it. And I don't think that you can logically, rationally justify it. I don't want a vaccine that had any connection to an aborted child. I just don't. And I think that's a valid objection. I mean, God bless Dr. Jeffress, but I think he's wrong in this instance. And we can like various Christians and admire them and so forth and still disagree. Franklin Graham had another take. We're going to get into that when we come back. You're listening to Janet Meffer today.
Hi, this is Janet Mefford for Preborn. Candace talks about finding out she was pregnant. Thankfully, an ultrasound provided by Preborn allowed her to hear her baby's heartbeat. The sonogram sealed the deal for me. My baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope. And I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean, that sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. Preborn has 10 centers that do not have ultrasound machines. Would you make a leadership gift and sponsor a machine today? These life-saving machines cost more than most centers can afford. Your tax-deductible gift of $15,000 will place a machine in a needy women's center and save countless lives for years to come. To donate, call 855-402-BABY, 855-402-BABY, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Hi, this is Janet Mefford. Did you miss the deadline to sign up for a health care program at the end of 2020? If so, I have good news. A special enrollment period is taking place now through August 15th, meaning that if you're looking to enroll in a new health care program for 2021, you can do so without the need for a qualifying event. More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their health care needs. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit health care sharing ministry that offers affordable health care sharing programs starting as low as $199 per month. Liberty HealthShare gives you the ability to choose any doctor or hospital across the nation. Memberships are for individuals, couples, and families offering a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT today. For more information, call 855-585-4237, 855-585-4237, or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. I'm trying to think of the first evangelical leader who got in the get a vaccine line. Uh, probably Russell Moore. Nah, some other liberal. I don't know. There were a bunch of liberals who kind of started this whole thing. If you really love your neighbor, you'll get a vaccine. You know, I, I, I absolutely believe we are to love our neighbors, but boy, have they weaponized that second great commandment and it's beginning to get on my nerves. Not the commandment, but the weaponizing of that commandment. It just bugs me to no end. And I'm t- I don't know about you, but I just get tired of being lectured by people on things that really don't concern them. You know what I'm saying? It, it just doesn't concern you. I think if we had a lot of these people, particularly in the woke crowd, who are half as interested in teaching the Bible as written as they are in lecturing conservative Christians nonstop on the fact that they're white supremacists and they're they're crazy and they believe in conspiracy theories. And we had Ed Stetzer yelling at Christians because they believed a conspiracy theory that, that the Wuhan virus came from a lab. Okay, well, check out the head of the WHO even cast aspersions on their recent report downplaying that angle. And and we've already had Robert Redfield from the CDC saying that that it came from a lab. But okay, Ed Stetzer knows better. Okay, got it. I I just I want people to stay in their lane. And I hate that line, too. But just stay in your lane. Teach the Bible. That's the greatest need of the hour when you see these polls showing that fewer than 50% of Americans are even members of a church. Doesn't that alarm you? Why do you get on the woke bus in order to bash people even more? Don't you think the culture is bashing Christians enough? 
I'm going to have to do a show on that sometime. I'm just over the internal bashing, the internal hauling up of a baseball bat to smash Christians about the skull and about the shoulders because they're not being woke enough and they're not being liberal enough and they're not loving their neighbor enough. You know what? Jesus never took a baseball bat to his sheep, not once. Just got to say that. So Franklin Graham puts out this Facebook post on the 24th of March And he was talking about the fact that he's been asked for his opinion about the vaccine. And he said, I've even been asked if Jesus were physically walking on earth now, would he be an advocate for vaccines? My answer was that based on the parable of the Good Samaritan in the Bible, I would have to say, yes, I think Jesus Christ would advocate for people using vaccines and medicines to treat suffering and save lives. In this scripture passage, Jesus told about a man beaten and wounded lying on the roadside as religious leaders passed by and didn't help. But a Samaritan, considered a social outcast of the day, becomes the hero of the story when he stops and cares for the injured man, pouring oil and wine, which were the top medicines of the day, on the man's wounds. We also also know that Jesus went from town to town healing every disease and sickness. He came to save life, to offer us eternal life. Did Jesus need a vaccine himself? Of course not. He is God. So my own personal opinion is that from what we know, he says a vaccine can help save lives and prevent suffering. He goes on to say, since there are different vaccines available, my recommendation is that people do their research, talk to their doctor and pray about it to determine which vaccine, if any, is right for them. Well, I have no problem with that. His recommendation is do your research and talk to your doctor and figure out what you want to do. So that's not the same thing as Russell Moore opining in the Washington Post that you stank because you didn't get the vaccine. I don't have a problem with that. I think it's a little bit of a stretch to look at the Good Samaritan and make a vaccine comment. But you know what? I'm not going to give him a hard time necessarily because they're doing great work with Samaritan's Purse and he's very concerned about COVID-19. He can have that opinion. I have no problem with Franklin Graham having that opinion, although I would have a little bit of a problem with how he reasoned through it with the Bible and don't really think that works too well. Uh, Again, though, we have to just, we have to give room to each other to have some liberty, to have some real liberty. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting how many people within the leadership of evangelical circles, especially the cool celebrity woke types, They just love being new Pharisees, don't they? There is just absolutely nothing stopping them each and every day from finding some way to make sure that you know you're not enough and you are just rotten to the core and you're not as holy as they are and you're not as righteous as they are and you're not as awake as they are in terms of their political awakenings through the wokeness of, it's just wonderful, isn't it, to be them? No, it's not wonderful to be them. It's not wonderful to be them. Not at all. Now, what about the issue, too, of the cytokine storm? Have you heard about this? And, and already we're seeing some of these sites debunk this idea. But I find it quite interesting because this involves what comes up in terms of your pro-inflammatory signaling molecules that are kicked off and they can cause multi-system organ failure if you come in contact with other variants of COVID-19. Some people have been arguing this. To what extent it's true? I don't know, but that's been another concern that has been raised. The fundamental issue, I think, for for me is that I think the reason people are really skeptical is because they have looked around them for the past year and they have determined that they don't trust the experts. Don't you think there's an awful lot to that? They don't trust. You know, all of us, I think, can think of somebody in our lives 
maybe two different people on opposite ends of the spectrum where you think if there was something going on and there was some sort of piece of advice that needed to be offered on some subject of import, if this person I know said it, I would be skeptical just because I know that person. And if this other person said it, I would probably trust it. What are you basing that on? Is it the veracity and the the rational um, information that backs up the claim? No, sometimes it's the source. Sometimes it's the source. It's the same reason that we sometimes will get something off a blog and roll our eyes a little bit because we're like, okay, there's some guy in his basement telling me X, Y, and Z. Mm. But if it comes from a a really trusted news source and we're running out of those quickly, we're a lot more likely to say, hmm, maybe there's something to this. Now, that's not always rational because sometimes people we don't even like can give us information that's true and people we like very much can get things wrong. But the element of trust, I think, has to be there if you're going to go forward in a direction that is freaking you out. How in the world can any of us fail to be freaked out by all of this saber rattling over vaccine passports and the people who get on social media and say, it's a, it's a great idea. In fact, I saw one today. I don't even know who the source was, but I saw some tweet today with someone saying, I actually think vaccine passports are a great idea because it will root out those people who don't want to take the vaccine and then people will know who they are. You know, it's like the sneeches, but on a, on a really creepy level. Remember the Sneeches. I know we're not allowed to talk about Dr. Seuss anymore because he was a racist or something because uh, what was his book that they hated? I don't even know. Yeah, it was a bunch of books. At any rate, the Sneeches was that book where you had the Sneeches and they some of them had stars on their bellies and some of them didn't. And so one group was the in club and the other group was out and then they made a machine and then, then the Sneeches went through and they got stars. So everybody had stars and then the other people got their stars removed. You know, it's it's weird it's weird to think that way, and it's only a children's book, but you, you think about that a little bit. We want to separate people. We don't want those people to be, you know, protected. We want vaccine passports to expose those people. As, as if nobody who has a problem with the COVID-19 vaccine at this juncture has a good reason. And I think some of the garbage that's out there in the media really perpetuates the idea that nobody has a good reason for refusing the COVID-19 vaccine. As a matter of fact, I think there are lots of good reasons for refusing it. And I think there's some valid reasons for taking it. And I certainly wouldn't judge you. You can do what you want. If you have a problem and you don't want to get COVID-19 and you had someone in your family who suffered and was on a ventilator or, God forbid, died... I wouldn't blame you for getting a COVID-19 vaccine, but we can't become this society where we just watch Big Brother unfold like a gigantic serpent, kind of like the end of the movie Aladdin, where he's just completely out of control, the demonic dragon at the end. We don't want that. Are we going to end up with that? It's hard to say at this juncture. Sure looks like we may be going in that direction. And that should scare everybody. That should scare everybody. Why? Because those people who are really, really dictatorial in their outlook and cheer on certain people being oppressed and certain people being canceled, you ought to fear those people because the next person they could cancel could be you. You might be with them for a while and then you run afoul of their sensibilities and then all of a sudden you find yourself on the outs. It's kind of what happened under the old Soviet Union. Oh, if I go along with it, they'll, they'll be nice to me. Yeah, they'll be nice to you until they don't need you anymore and then you're gone too. It's kind of how it works in world history. And if you read anything of history throughout all these dictatorships and heinous societies that have existed throughout time, you'll see how evil the sin nature truly is when there is no 
restraining it. And I'll tell you what, it is a good time to be a Christian. It is a great time to be a Christian because we really are seeing the Lord strengthening and protecting those of us who truly belong to Him. And we need to stay faithful to Him. It's the most important thing. Vaccine, no vaccine. Be faithful to Jesus Christ, no matter what. That's the bottom line. We've got to leave it there. Thank you for being with us. Please help us send Bibles to Africa through our great partnership with Bible League International. $5 sends one Bible, and it'll be matched if you can give right now. We're doing so well on this campaign. We'd love to have you join us. Just call 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D. And thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time.